0: I'm in my room, my computer is on in front of me with my microphone, there's a notepad open with some notes about my podcast, it's time to rewind. It looks like they're open to the twelfth scene of Memento that starts in black and white at 25 minutes and 41 seconds, with Leonard shaving his upper thigh and ends at 27 minutes and 26 seconds, with Leonard being suspicious of Sammy and ordering more tests. There's also a Skype window open. Uh, Hang on. Who is this? Bubba! (laughs) I prefer to be uh, called Bubba Wheat, but uh, who who is this again?
1: Oh, have you told me that? I must have forgot. (laughs) It's Lisa Leahy from Rabbit Hole Podcast, Bubba. Uh, I'm sorry, Bubba Wheat. How are you? How you doing,
2: Bubba?
0: I'm doing all right. And, And who are you? Well, sometimes
2: I go by John G., but usually people call me Richard, Richard Kirkham. I'm from the Lambcast. You know, the Lambcast, you've been there, haven't you? I
0: can't say I remember, possibly.
2: That's okay, uh, I can't remember either.
0: <laughs> Who am I talking uh, to again? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, thank you both for joining me on this uh, 12th episode of uh, Memento more on on this season and uh you know but before we get into it you know Richard this is your first time here I like I'd like to know like how did you discover Memento did did you do you remember if you saw it like whenever it first came out or did you come to it later
2: I'm going to tell you a story that I think is kind of interesting I saw Memento in a theater but after it had been recommended to me by a student in my class in a way that is kind of unusual. I had, I taught an argumentation class and uh, we had them do um, a claim speech and they were supposed to do a a claim of fact. He was actually doing a claim of value argument and he was making the argument that this was the best movie of the year uh, and that everybody should see it. And uh, he then gave a presentation about the speech. Which convinced me that I should definitely see it. And I, you know, so he got, a, he got a very good grade on it. I was going to say. It was unusual because I don't usually accept those kinds of claim of value speeches. And I would certainly tell people when you're doing that, you don't, you know, even though you're doing something on uh, uh, that's a value based issue, like the quality of something, evaluating a book, a movie, a uh, uh, theme park or something like that really isn't the purpose of the assignment. It's to make uh, an, a- an argument about something ethical or moral in nature. But I let him get away with it because after I saw the movie, I was really impressed.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's a fantastic literary text in and of itself.
2: Well, I've yeah. never re- read the screenplay. I I just discovered, by the way, that I have the screenplay. It's on the DVD that I have, and uh, I legitimately. Uh, <laughs> am overwhelmed by the information on this dvd this is that, <laughs> this is that special edition dvd yep. that oh my gosh i'm going just trying to figure out how to, to watch it in the first place was weird
0: <laughs> the first disc is not too bad i think the first disc is a relatively straightforward like it it's it's a good thematic but the second disc it's like you literally practically need uh, instructions on how to <laughs> find what you're looking for what I'm really looking for is now is that uh
2: chronological version of the film no. that you can watch. No, <laughs> I I, I, I want to see what it looks like.
1: It looks yeah, like a movie that's not as good as the original.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not as good but it it's, it does hold up. I I think it's, you know, it's it's definitely not good to watch. <laughs> I mean, absolutely not for your first time watch, but as as you know, if you've watched this three or four times, I think it's an interesting experiment, and the film does hold up as as a narrative in chronological order. Other than the slight annoyance, because uh, especially whenever you get to the color scenes, because there's that repetition at the beginning and the end of each scene, and then mm-hmm. whenever you're watching it chronologically, you're seeing that repetition back to back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, I I think that the chronological cut does hold up as a narrative but it yeah it's, it's not as good
2: well but, it, it, if you were watching it that way it would kind of destroy the whole point of the movie and, uh, mm-hmm. and and the concept but that doesn't mean that it wouldn't be interesting to look at it from that point of view
0: yeah but uh let's let's get to today's scene and it, it starts off with this is you know another one of the black and white scenes of where uh, Leonard is by himself in the hotel room talking to somebody over the phone. I think most people assume that it's Teddy. Do you think that it it could possibly be anybody else?
1: I mean, at this point, having seen the thing, no. Um, But I think it does layer this whole element of um, who the heck is he talking to? Like, why is he just giving this story to, to anybody on the phone? Um, you know, is this someone from his past life? Is this someone new that he now trusts? You know, it just adds this element to this faceless person that he's just like bearing his soul to um, because this whole story is this this focus on how he has forged his current identity of, you know, how he manages his condition.
2: Well, it's interesting that we basically get the narration through this phone conversation mm-hmm. with somebody that we never learn who they are and what their relationship to Leonard is. Uh, I don't know that it's important, but it, of course, seems to violate uh, his own rules. You know, never answer the damn phone.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which we don't find but, out until the end of these sequences, right?
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I do think it's, it's interesting, too, because this, as... As these black and white scenes go on, they start out as, as very documentary-like with him kind of narrating in in second person mm-hmm. um, as well. And then the phone call starts, I think, uh, maybe just three or four scenes in. And now it's, it's a direct one-on-one conversation with somebody that we only see half- of this conversation, but it it does become more of a personal connection. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the commentary, uh, Christopher Nolan also mentions how throughout the, throughout these black and white scenes, the the first ones start at a very high angle and far away. And this is about, um, you know, about a third of the way through and the, the camera angles start to get lower and closer in, to leonard as it becomes more connected to the color scenes which they are presented you know very much with leonard and very close up and uh, lower angle like straight on with him
1: yeah and you start getting some of these extreme close-ups like the very beginning of this scene where you're focused on him running that razor up his leg and on the shaving cream and so you're starting to get more and more intimate with who he really is and what he's facing with this condition, you know,
2: it's a little introspective also talking on the phone while you're doing this while he's shaving his leg, which appears to be in preparation of another uh, key tattoo. That's going to have what he supposes is a fact on it. Uh, But I think it's also kind of reveals a little bit how, He's creating his own story as he's talking on the phone. So that that, that is also important. I don't, the camera angles, of course, are always interesting. That's one of those things that you know, directors are going to be responsible for, along with the director of photography. They have to figure out how the movie is going to look. Uh, I think the black and white choice is really good, the, uh, the angles. I understand that there's a, there's a long-term purpose for that. Whether or not I ever notice it or whether or not
0: it's subliminally impactful, I couldn't say. <laughs> yeah. And, and I just noticed, you know, talking about these camera angles is this is when we're first introduced to Stephen Tobolowsky playing Sammy Jenkins and the these camera angles start, you know, pretty close on um, Sammy and his wife's face. And then shortly afterwards, we get the extreme close up on his eye, you know, that that we are getting very up close and personal right away with sammy Jenkins, yeah there's nothing at a distance here and i i think it's interesting that um, as as leonard describes him mr samuel r Jenkins is a 58 year old semi-retired accountant and i think it's funny because i checked and, and Stephen tobolowski was 49 at the time whenever he filmed <laughs> this <laughs> so they aged him up by about nine years well, he's got good range. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he is really great. And and this, this whole story, it it's very important to show this other side of this condition in, in order to give the audience more information about this, uh, this anterior grade memory loss.
1: Yeah, well, this is what puts a face on it, you know, up to this point, we only have you know, Leonard's word for it, this idea that, like, you know, here's this condition, here's this thing that he does, uh, here's how he gets through it. And this story is what humanizes it for us. It shows us that this is a real thing, that he's not the only person with it, that, you know, it, it, here's the the way that the medical profession tries to treat it, and here's what they do with it. And it's interesting, because while we're given Leonard's perspective here as he tells the story we're watching Sammy and his wife go through it and Tobolowski's facial expressions like just you watch his eyes you watch the way he looks around a room you look the way he you watch the way he sort of tries to take stock of what's going on around him for somebody who would be going through this sort of thing this is horrifying. You know, because it's mm. scary enough to not have enterograde amnesia, but to to be looking at this situation and go to the doctors and have to go through tests like this already is anxiety inducing. And you've got this man who, like, every couple of seconds, give him a particular distraction, you know, give him a, a needle in the arm. He's going to reset and he's going to have to reorient himself to where he is and what's going on and who's this guy in the white coat and what I mean, the amount of anxiety that he's feeling in this is really overwhelming.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I think the other important thing about the, these scenes is that it juxtaposes how some people have tried to cope with this situation and how Leonard has coping with this situation. You know, the idea that uh, there's got to be routine, you've got to have control, you've got to have a system and his, you know, Leonard's own Self justification for the way he does things is he's got a system and that's what allows him to cope. And uh, we discovered that there's not really any coping with this. Uh, He's just created a fantasy for himself that he is, in fact, coping. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, it's, it's the rote explanation of the story itself. You know, the fact that he's doing in this motel room two things that are just very run of the mill to him. He's telling Sammy's story and he's shaving his leg. You know, like this is not something that most people have to really super focus on, because by the time you get to adulthood, you have shaved enough that you know how to how to handle the the razor, you know how to handle the shaving cream, you know what angles to push, you know how much pressure to use. You know, he's doing two things right now. Um, you know, Leonard, uh, Leonard, <laughs> I just called you Leonard, Richard. This Richard, <laughs> whole idea of, um, it, you know, like juxtaposing these two situations together for any other person, this story would be really unnerving and really upsetting and for him it's just as run-of-the-mill as shaving his leg you know shaving his face in the morning whatever it is that he's doing it's just the same old thing it's a, just a different day
2: and yeah. he just doesn't know it's a different day because he's telling the story over and over and over again exactly i, mean, I told you about sammy Jenkins? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and and i listened to the, the the director's commentary and he mentioned that uh whenever they were casting Sammy for Jim, Sammy Jenkins. He felt like Stephen Tobolowski was the only actor that really understood that. Even though Sammy Jenkins is in, in the screenplay, only had one line, which they they expanded it a little bit. You know, he's he's got you know three or four lines in the finished movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, even though it, it feels like a, ma- a minor part, Stephen Tobolowski was the one actor that under that really understood that Sammy is the backbone of this movie. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why he got the part. And it really is, um, and, and this scene especially, sets up a lot of connections between Sammy and Leonard uh, because the, this is, you know, when we're introduced to to Sammy right after the doctor scene, he talks about how Sammy can't even watch TV anymore because over the course of half an hour, he's forgotten the plot. He, he can't, I don't think it's in, in this um I don't remember if it's in this scene it's or the not next this scene, scene. But, yeah. but he, uh, Leonard says, you know, he can't even watch Green Acres. He can't even follow the plot of Green Acres right. anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he does enjoy commercials because they're short. They're they're short enough that he can actually, you know, follow them from beginning to end without forgetting what's going on. And this is a, a connection that we see briefly towards the end of the movie whenever he's at Natalie's house. And, you know, he turns on the TV and then he looks at his uh, Sammy Jenkins tattoo and then he immediately turns the TV off. And uh, I, I think there's also um, another connection that we see here at the end of... Oh, um, well, I'll, I'll talk... Uh, oh, yeah, it is here. Um, as he describes how Sammy is able to do something very complicated like set up this insulin injection. And we're seeing this and and we don't see it in full because it's stretched out so long, but I think this is very similar and um and I'm curious to to check whenever he actually gets to building the um the tat- the homemade tattoo needle that this is a very similar process to how he's doing this homemade tattoo. Mhm. Yeah, that's an interesting point
2: that he is basically connecting with. Well, the, it's Sammy Jenkins is is his story uh, just abbreviated and uh, with a slightly different way of dealing with the the whole situation. And I like the parallel, like you said, with the needle. I think that's an interesting uh, illustration of how it is repetition, it is routine that we need and. It's interesting that he's picked this particular thing that also was done by Sammy to be his his tool for recording information. Obviously, Sammy wasn't tattooing his wife, but uh, (laughs) I don't know. Needle handling is always kind of creepy to people, even people who do the uh, injection thing on a regular basis. My wife took uh, insulin injections and I had to help her quite a bit. And Mm -hmm. uh, anytime I had to help her, I was just like, I really wish I wasn't doing this.
1: Yeah, it's never really something you you get used to to doing, you know. It's just it's always uncomfortable. It's always just sort of like ugh. It's 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 interesting because most things do just become rote and for whatever reason that that just doesn't.
0: Yeah, and and there were a couple other interesting things that I that I noticed about this whole scene. I I do I do think it's nice. I know we saw him um in his, you know, suit and tie for as the insurance um investigator but to see this side of leonard before his accident and to connect with him wearing a nice suit versus what he's wearing now which we uh i mean not in this scene but what he's wearing in the color scenes it's a suit but it's not actually his suit as we come to find out Mm -hmm. and i've i also um In the the second time that Leonard comes up to the door, I think it's it's funny. He doesn't quite do the full shave and a haircut, but it feels like it's (laughs) it's shaving a haircut, but just missing a couple beats, which he (laughs) does that exact same thing with the bell. um, Yes. To Bert. Yes, he does. I hadn't noticed that. That's interesting. Yeah, I I like that. Yeah, I, I like that little connection to his character. And and I also like in that scene that it's in a very short period of time, it really shows this realism between Sammy Jenkins and and Mrs. Jenkins, because, you know, Sammy goes up to as out of habit to go and answer the door, even though he doesn't know who's there. Mm -hmm. But then Mrs. Jenkins immediately comes in, you know, to assist him because she knows what's going on. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this this idea that he's become very childlike, that he's not able to care for himself anymore. And she has to step in and do these things because who else could it possibly be? You never know who could show up at the door. And it's just sort of interesting, you know, because then you start wondering about what their life is like outside of this story and what kinds of situations that he's doing and wandering. And, you know, it's sort of it, it adds this extra layer to it of the realism that we were talking about.
0: And then I, my last note for this is, you know, Leonard talks about this, what he sees as this look of recognition every time that he meets Sammy. And I, I think that that's something that Leonard himself does, with or without knowing that, in, in these color scenes. Because any time that he is, you know, meeting somebody, or uh, whether it's somebody that he knows, Beforehand or doesn't, he is in this mode of hiding his condition. And so I feel like he, he gives people this false look of recognition just to make himself look more normal.
1: Ironically, though, everyone he meets, he tells them the story. So it's Mm -hmm. like he's trying to make himself look more normal in that initial meetup meetup moment. But then the second he opens his mouth, he's going to remind you of his condition. He's going to remind you who Sammy Jenkins is. He needs to remind himself, you know, Um, and, and if you go and look at this, this sequence very carefully and you look at Leonard sitting on the couch next to Sammy and his wife and how he comes in, you can see he's constantly studying. Right. And so there's this interesting element of Tobolowski's eyes and Sammy's eyes kind of being cloudy and confused and anxious. And in the meantime, Leonard always has this intense concentration. He's sort of like looking very carefully at what's happening around him and he's studying what's happening. And, you know, you you, he's learning. He's he's conditioning himself. You know, and mm-hmm. figuring out here's what I'm going to do, here's how I'm going to say this, and here's what I need to remember about this particular scene. Um, there's that great shot in the middle of the sequence where he's sitting on the couch with the two of them as Sammy's giving her the insulin. And it's just this wonderful frame of the two of them on one side and him on the far left. And there's almost a like a divide with a curtain in the background, like they're doing their thing. This is their life, and he's an interloper sort of observing and Mm -hmm. watching what's happening and it's just this great sort of separation where they've invited him into their home he's now invading their lives um but at the same time there's still this this care this affection between sammy and his wife
0: and then i i literally like just noticed this um you know after that they're in you know going completely the opposite direction whenever he goes uh, is at the door the second time. Mm-hmm. There's this shot where you can see the reflection of Leonard's face in the window yes. as Sammy is coming up to answer it and their faces literally overlap.
1: Yes, they do. Yes, they do. It's this it's like these wonderful little things, you know, these cues that you're handed of these, you know, the, these similar situations that these two men are
0: in. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, since we're talking a lot about this, this, you know the similarity between Sammy and Leonard, um, Richard. I'm I'm curious. Have, have you uh, heard the theory? I don't. I don't know if you listened to the director's commentary on on that DVD that we. I think all three of us have. Um, what do you think about the theory that this story about Sammy is actually the story about Leonard, and that his wife survived the accident, and she was the one with. Um, with diabetes. And, and he was the one with the Kilder. the insulin. Yeah.
2: You know, it's, I think we've got a whole bunch of unreliable narrators throughout this this film. <laughs> and, you know, Teddy kind of suggests that at, at the end of the story, uh, or at the beginning of the story, <laughs> I don't want to get out of place here. But <laughs> I, I do see, especially because of the references that we've talked about, the way Sammy and his experience and leonard's later's experiences seem to overlap the let's face it the, they've got some of the same expressions he fakes it uh as much as he can but he can't fake it entirely that shot that least that you were just talking about with the uh where you see their faces in the window i think that does suggest a little bit that this may in fact be a valid interpretation i you know i, I I think maybe it's a little too tricky to go with that. I, I'm going to stick with the notion that the story is is the story, and that everybody is just trying to screw each other around by <laughs> giving a different version of it.
1: See, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in the opposite direction because there is a moment um, in this film. It is a single blink and you miss it moment. Where yeah. we authentically have a third person omni- omniscient narrator, this whole thing is told through Leonard's first person experience, and there's one moment where we're given confirmation of what's going on, um, and it's one of my favorite moments in the whole in the whole thing. So it's it's fascinating to look at these and to look at these. It, it's interesting to hear you say theory, um, Baba, like this idea that um, it's a theory where I think that we are given. A particular nugget of information that makes me pretty confident that this is what we're looking at.
0: Yeah, I, I've, you know, I I like to say theory just because it's, I don't think that it's a hundred percent confirmed because, because like, like to do that. <laughs> yeah, and also <laughs> with the, the whole unreliable narrator because uh, it, there are you know everyone is an unreliable narrator like even the director's commentary is an unreliable narrator because mm-hmm. it has a branching. Um, it's actually a branching commentary and there's three different versions of the ending depending on when you listen to it so, like it'll give you a different ending chunk of the director's commentary which gives you three different versions of of this this theory. Yep. This is why we're, I, we're this is why I'm a with. literature person. I love that <laughs> stuff.
1: I love it. I love it. I love it. 2 plus 2 is 5 as long as you can prove it.
0: Yeah, there are four lights. <laughs> Uh, But I think that that wraps up this scene in Memento. I'd like to thank you, Richard, for joining us today. And uh, why don't you go ahead and take just a quick moment to let everybody know where else they can find you online? Uh, I'm easy to find
2: online. It's Kirkham, a movie a day is my own personal
0: blog site where I post
2: a, a review or a comment or an essay on every film that I see in a theater. And then uh, on a weekly basis, you can find me on The Lambcast. I'm the host of the official podcast of the Large Association of Movie Blogs.
0: And I am your host, Bubba Wheat, here, and uh, along with my co-host for these black and white scenes, Lisa Leahy. And you know, thank you once again for joining me through this whole movie. And, uh, you can find me on Twitter where I'm at Bubbleweed and you can find this show. It's time to rewind on anchor.fm as well as anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. And we also have a Facebook group. It's time to rewind a time loop group and you can join that and discuss episodes as they come out. And we also welcome discussions and memes on time loop movies and TV episodes in general. And, uh, Until next time, you know, I have, I I assume I've already told you about Memento.
1: Oh, only every time you see, I see you.
0: (laughs) Every time.
2: Mr. Samuel R. Jankis, strangest case ever. Now the guy's a 58 year old semi-retired accountant.